0: The following is a Goulash Media production, goulashmedia.net Remember
1: a simpler time, when it was okay to be weird, have fun, and think for yourself Well those days are over, the art of conversation itself is dead Sacrificed on the altar of divide and conquer and disguise as political correctness and spared feelings I believe that unity can only come from truth and that the only way to find truth is by exploring and embracing our valuable differences and having civil, open-minded, and uncomfortable discourse. Conspiracies, politics, religion, and all the taboo topics are mainly really just praise you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. We are here to literally change the world one uncomfortable conversation at a time. So if you're easily offended, put your big girl panties on and buckle up, buttercup, because you chose to be here. I'm Dan Smots, you are the power, and this is The System is Down.
2: Welcome back to the least comfortable show on the web, The System is Down, the place where we talk about all the uncomfortable topics. I've got a guest here, Alan Stevo. And Alan, I just want to make sure you're not frozen there, because you looked a little frozen. You good? Okay, you're good. All right. Well, then we'll continue. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to the show. This is where we talk about all the uncomfortable topics, the taboo things. We do so in a civil, loving, and open-minded manner just to explore the world and seek truth together and uh, obtain knowledge and grow the human species. But uh, we're going to get into my conversation with Alan here in just a moment. But before we do, I got to remind you guys about our sponsors. And the main one, of course, is you guys. The members of the Downers Club, which you can sign up for at Patreon.com forward slash The System Is Down. Uh, people like Joe Kabinsky, Derek Evans, Davis Johnson, um, other people that I'm too slow of a reader to get to. Howie Snowden, uh, David White, Edward Middlebrook, etc., etc. If you want some more weird, some more raw, uh, more offensive, more weekly content, consider supporting the show at Patreon.com forward slash The System Is Down. Also got to remind you guys, we just launched our new social media platform, which is AntiNewsLive.com. You can check that out now. Since we're getting kicked off and banned from all the other platforms, you know, just seemed like a safe time to start making some backup. So check that out. Come have the conversations with us at AntiNewsLive.com. But my guest today, as I already mentioned, uh, the author of the book, How to Never Wear a Mask Again. I want to make sure I get this right. How to Never Wear a Mask Again. Is that right?
0: Face masks in one lesson.
2: You've you got, you got the concept down. Okay, yeah, I was looking at the the subject of the email. Never mind. <laughs> Face masks in one lesson. It's Alan Steve. Alan, how's it going, man?
0: Fantastic. Thanks for having me on. It's a joy to be with you.
2: Absolutely. Thanks so much for being here. Um, I've heard, I've done a little bit of digging into your background, uh, not all that much. I, I wasn't familiar with you until you guys reached out to me, uh, but seems like you've had a, your hand in a lot of awesome libertarian, uh, spheres and areas, uh, doing work for the Mises Institute and stuff like that, working on different campaigns. Can you give me a little bit of background on yourself? Um, kind of just back further, even than the libertarian stuff, like what brought you into the movement?
0: Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I was uh, living living in Europe, and um, a friend of mine said, "Hey, take a look at this guy talking about gold." Um, And his name was Honorable Ron Paul, and and I said, "What a weird what a weird sounding name!" It just it hit me weird. And then uh, I I read some of his stuff that was more uh, economic and around the topic of gold. That was maybe two thousand six. And uh, a friend of mine who owned a bookstore and, and cafe there, he said, hey, there's this, this other American who in town who's been reading Ron Paul stuff lately, too. Why don't you guys get together? And we got together, and we started having these uh, – we, we made it a point to get together once a week. And Ron Paul puts out this, you know, this uh, syndicated column once a week, and we'd get together and talk about this 300, 500-word article. We'd argue it over a little bit. And before you knew it, other people were joining us doing that. And people would pass through town. And by uh, December December uh, 2007, um, there was this Tea Party money bomb. We had a few groups around Europe um, doing the same thing as us. People would go home and get their own kind of group together. And so there were a few groups around Europe. that were meeting once a week, doing their own kind of pro-liberty activities. And we gathered together a group called Americans in Liberty for Ron Paul. We put together a blog. We had that that event, that Tea Party money bomb event outside the European Parliament. Um, and this kind of this whole process kind of was part of my my uh, radicalization toward liberty. I would say uh, ideas I'd already had, but lots of libertarians I'd met they just were jerks, and uh, <laughs> they it, it still was are. About, uh, <laughs>
2: Yeah. That's great. Um yeah, there's a lot of jerks in our party, but uh it is what it is. Uh that that's kind of what you get when you put a bunch of free thinkers together that, you know, push against authority in every way. You're going to run into some speed bumps, but uh you've you've stuck around to some extent. Um what uh what kind of work have you done since then? Um uh, you worked t- t- you worked on the Ron Paul campaign to some extent, right? And a few others?
0: 2000 2008, I was involved in Rand Paul's campaign. 2012, I was involved. Uh, in a bunch of states both times. Um, 2016, I helped in Rand Paul's campaign. It uh, it maybe went a month into 2016 or two months maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I helped out that campaign. And many, many dozens of others beyond that. Um, so I've done some political consulting work um, from just the total recruitment volunteers and training them all the way up to managing entire campaigns, uh, local, uh, statewide, um, big city, and then some national. Um, and uh, 2013, 2013, a few folks and I from Ron Paul's campaign, we'd been uh, working together in New York, after the 2012 campaign, we worked working together in New York, and this guy would not shut up about Bitcoin, and this was an amazing thing about Ron Paul's campaign that you'd get, and uh, any kind of fringy, fringy campaign, you end up with with people on the margins of, of different kind of areas, uh, culturally, politically, and uh, they kind of come together. They do some socializing, they mix their ideas up, and then they go back home. And it, the, the the campaign being so kind of like rooted in philosophy uh, really kind of helped some of that happen. So Bitcoin, the, the the concept of Bitcoin, I think was very much uh, pushed out by that 2012 campaign of Ron Paul's. One example being the exchange that we started. So the guy wouldn't shut up about Bitcoin 2013. We started something called the New York Bitcoin center um, right next to the New York stock exchange. Um, you could walk in with cash, walk out with Bitcoin. Some days there might be a thousand people through the doors. Um, and, uh, it's covered in this this Netflix documentary banking and on Bitcoin, just mm-hmm. a fantastic movie that tells the story of the time and and the ultimate kind of uh, regulation and illegalization of of uh kind of the the, the free market around Bitcoin that existed in Your New house York.
2: isn't being swarmed by SWAT team right now is it just making sure you you have not made this one live yet so uh <laughs> no fair fair enough <laughs> um yeah so what uh, what was it about like this topic in particular like uh, obviously it's something that we're all going through and most of us I would imagine aren't really enjoying the whole the whole mask thing and actually before we get into that um I've been getting kicked off of YouTube on a regular basis so we're going to cut here shortly in out of the safe version that is for YouTube, because YouTube doesn't want real people talking about real things anymore. We're going to cut out of that and go have a real human conversation over there with all the scary anti-mask stuff. But um, can you give just a, a real short synopsis about some of the things that we're going to be talking about?
0: Oh, totally. Um, so millions of Americans are totally exempt from wearing a mask. Um, I live in super hardcore lockdown land. Um, I never wear a mask. Um, I'm going to want to ask your, your viewers, you know, if they're wearing a mask and they don't believe in it, uh, what's their excuse? Why are they doing that? Uh, yeah. I want to present some techniques for how they can go maskless um, and uh, reasons that they would want to do that, from the science down to the, the principles of freedom around it.
2: Sounds good. And uh, let everybody know your website real quick before we kick off of YouTube.
0: Totally. My book's Face Masks in One Lesson. That's anywhere you can, you can uh, buy, buy uh, books. Uh, Amazon.com is where a lot of people are buying it. BarnesandNoble.com. Others are buying it. And uh, my website is realstevo.com. R-E-A-L-S-T-E-V-O.com. Realstevo.com. You go there, you can actually get a, a free sample of, of the book, a little segment of it to kind of help you get a taste for what, what the book's about.
2: Awesome all right well I think ladies and gentlemen that'll that'll do for YouTube sorry it's it's short but uh, that's all they want they just want little fake snippets so that's what you get but uh, we're gonna go talk about the real meat and potatoes here um, over on tsidpod.com thank you And welcome to the actual conversation with two humans talking about things that are too scary for YouTube. I just got another, my my backup channel on YouTube just got a warning for talking, for having the audacity to even think that there may have been a little bit of fraud in the election. And this is after getting strikes on my main channel for for uh cyberbullying Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know, I, I thought he was dead, but... Uh, I guess they know something I don't. Anyway, uh we're back with Alan Stevo. Alan, um you're you're looking less pixelated now. I appreciate that. Uh <laughs> we took a quick break, but um let's just jump back into it. Uh what what even caused you to want to, you know, write this book and you know, get touch on this ridiculously uh over sensitive topic to many people.
0: Yeah, I write at a website called LouRockwell.com. That's that some of your your supporters may know, uh, and something Lou Rockwell does that I like a lot is that he puts the author's uh, email address in the bio. Uh, so instead of having a kind of a uh, comment section that you can walk away from and ignore, it's right there in your inbox. The commentary, um, and if you if you make if you make a kind of an inconsistent argument, an intellectually inconsistent argument you can get attacked pretty easily writing for Lou Rockwell. And I like that very much. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, there's immediate feedback on, hey, I'd really love more of this from you. I'd like less of that. And so much of it, I was writing about the lockdown, right when the lockdown started in March. And uh, I was getting a lot of questions about face masks. And I was determined uh, for, for various reasons, having to do with, with me personally, I was determined to not, not wear a face mask and to figure that out. Um, and lots of other people reached out to me. So a conversation with about 500 people by email, uh, this works for me. Does this work for you? Uh, this works for this guy in Texas. Have you tried something like that yet? That kind of conversation turned into a bunch of Lou Rockwell articles and it turned into, uh, this book, this book, that's how that book came about from so many people, uh, Saying, hey, what do I do? And a big thing was I walk up to the compliance checkpoint, I start yelling at the guy, and then he doesn't let me in. What am I doing wrong? I kept hearing this over and over. So yeah. I of bring a different approach to it that gets you through without yelling and without too much strife.
2: Sure. Yeah, and we'll get into that. But why – like I, there's a large – swath of people in the country still and across the world i I imagine that are you know the the karens that are going to look at this book and say why is it that big of a deal just put the mask on shut up and do it uh so that other people feel comfortable around you what do you say to those people
0: well i don't i don't
2: waste my time talking to them mostly (laughs) but but, uh, you can't hear them anyway because they've got a mask on (laughs) maybe two at this point
0: (laughs) it's uh i i actually uh I tend to this, I picked up from a really neat reader. Who's got, um, a, a son with autism. Uh, she said, Hey, my son needs to read lips to communicate. He just, he really cannot connect with a person without reading lips. Um, and then, you know, she got me saying, yeah, that, that makes sense. And then she said, but what you don't realize, Alan, is that all of us communicate reading lips. Um, and, and, uh, I tend to get people to drop their mask if they want to talk to me. Um, that's that's a good kind of way to to start the conversation off on the right foot, I'd say, human to human. Um, as you were saying in the introduction, uh, how important this human to human connection is. So when someone when someone is saying, what's the big deal with a mask? There's this thing called the Hippocratic Oath, and it goes back 2,500 years. This is the foundation of the ethics of medicine. The foundation that the ethics of medicine may even go back far before that. Mm -hmm. Um, And the concept at the essence of it repeated over and over again, essentially, in the Hippocratic Oath is it's it's one individual patient and one individual doctor together working together against the world. And the doctor's job is to protect the patient's interest against the world. The more unwell the patient is, the more the doctor has that responsibility. Mm -hmm. The more uh, torturous the environment might be for the patient, the more the doctor has the responsibility. So this is at the heart of medical ethics with this amazing history. Sometimes medicine gets it wrong. Sometimes medicine is is imperfect. Sometimes doctors are imperfect. Sometimes patients are imperfect. I'm not saying anything in this process is perfect, but this, this kind of ideal of individual patient, individual doctor against the world is so central and, and important to look at. Then you have this concept of public health from The 1860s it emerges, the 1870s, 1880s, as uh, communism is kind of becoming more and more popular and various collectivist uh, concepts are becoming more popular on the the East Coast of the United States and in England, uh, we have some people come along and say, hey, what if we mix these kind of uh, these collectivist ideas uh, with medicine? Um, And what you end up with is the opposite of medicine. You end up with uh, this kind of utilitarianism, where uh, and public health is that. Public health is utilitarianism. They realized that name did not work, um, so they changed their name as a profession to this lovely sounding public health. Because who doesn't like public and who who doesn't like the public and who doesn't like health, right? But but it's the opposite of medicine. It is this: if grandma is worth one util alive and two utils dead, then we know what has to happen to grandma. Right. And public health is so good at kind of uh, disguising that this is what is actually happening happening in the field of public health. This, this kind of accounting is so central to public health. Um, and it's this, instead of grandma having all the say of what happens in her life with her medical care, just as any other individual decision is entirely up to her, any, any adult with agency, it's entirely up to that adult. Yeah. Just like that, we have instead public health saying, oh, we're going to have a plebiscite to decide how grandma's health care goes. Grandma will get her own vote. And 10,000 other people will get their own vote or 10 million people. Who knows this? This is at the root of someone coming up and saying, why don't you wear a mask? What's the big deal? Listen, it's none of your business. It's none of your business to ever say what, what my medical concerns should be. That That's for me. It's just another way of uh, outsiders figuring out how to interject themselves into our individual lives. And it, it needs to be stopped. I beg of your audience to never wear a mask again. I beg of them.
2: Most of them you're not going to have to convince too strongly, but uh, you, you make some good, you lay out how to do that, how to actually uh, navigate this. And I was, when I saw the uh, the title of the book, I was expecting it to be just a straight, uh, angry anarchist type view of like, you know, don't worry about other people, just walk in and do it uh not speaking for all uh anarchists or libertarians or whatever but uh you take more of an approach of like three different methods of you know just stop don't acknowledge the existence of the face mask live life normally which i i tend to do that and uh people kind of live in this um either you go with method one and you just do it and say fuck off or you you just wear the mask those are the only two like you know options that have been presented to us for the most part in mainstream society but uh you you take this other approach you want to get into um into you know step two and step three or method oh, two and totally, three
0: totally totally so i i kind of uh Dan what you described um this is this is what I just think is the best if you if you can live life just saying hey this face mask is weird I'm not even gonna Uh, entertain people who are who are pretending that these compliance checkpoints are valid i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say hey i'm not wearing the mask and i'm walking right through whatever you need the old normal
2: i'm just gonna it's up to you to change my mind (laughs) yeah
0: totally. that's that's my strong i think that is the very best thing you can be doing in this situation and face mask in one lesson is written for uh this kind of third approach that i lay out that's uh for people who aren't comfortable doing that, maybe they don't live in a place where they feel like they can do that. Um, and the only thing that they've been able to kind of figure out is yelling at the compliance checkpoint to try to get through. Um, so the second approach is to kind of, uh, kind of follow, follow what society is, is, uh, how society is trying to push you, push you around a little and kind of comply a little more. Um, the third approach is what Face Mask in One Lesson is, and that's to to have a look at the laws. Oh, my goodness. I just called them laws. The brainwashed <laughs> getting to get me now. Laws are passed by legislative bodies. Yep. Uh, laws don't come from the executive branch. Jeez, mm-hmm. what's going on with me? Listen, if they pound so a that... message to you enough times, you start to repeat it if you're not careful.
2: You're going to start showing up to these interviews with masks on at some point. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> um have a look at your local order. There's more than 3000 counties in the United States. Um, They, every county I've been able to find has their own face mask order. Um, And somewhere in there, there are going to be exemptions. Um, So I encourage you to just kind of have a look at that and figure out if perhaps you fit into some of those exemptions. Um, And then kind of a, an approach that I I recommend is to uh, have a kind of a human to human conversation with yeah. someone who has the ability to say, yeah, you don't have to wear a face mask in the store or on this property or whatever, whatever the situation may be. These, these two approaches uh, are very, very effective. 95% of the time, they do what you need, need to get done. They get you through that uh, door with, with very little strife. And face masks in one lesson, uh, in, in the first 10 or 15 minutes of reading the book, you get through that, how to, how to do that easily. Um, And then the rest of the book uh, kind of applies those lessons at the grocery store, on airplanes, at jury duty, uh, at work, at school. That's, that's the nature of the book there. Cool.
2: Yeah. And I I did like going back to method two. I liked the way you laid out, um, you know, you you say, some people will say, can I wear, or can I get by without wearing a mask or whatever? And a lot of times they'll, they'll be met with a no. And I, I liked your, uh i'll just read a paragraph i fully encourage you to to say to business owners i don't i don't want to wear the stupid face mask because it doesn't work um now taking that harder and more realistic approach do you want to get into uh some of the research that you've done on how the face how you believe that the face mask doesn't work
0: totally yeah um and it's not it's not my research this is this is research from I start face masks in one lesson with research from a CDC journal of epidemiology called emerging infectious disease. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the best study of 2020 on the topic came out at the most inconvenient moment for the narrative. The, the narrative changed on April 3rd, 2020 from the CDC political hacks saying, Hey, you don't need to wear the face mask too. Everyone needs to be masked immediately. Um, So this change a few weeks after that, in the May, 2020 uh, edition of Emerging Infectious Disease, uh, there's a, a study from a team led by uh, Zhao, X-I-A-O, and for anyone passionate about this topic, I recommend this this reading. Um, her and her team, uh, they, they look at 14 uh, randomized controlled trials that have a look at uh, face mask and other uh, uh, interventions. And say, uh, listen, COVID COVID is going to be important. Um, how do we figure out what is superstition and what is important to be, to be looking at and efficacious? Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to ignore the superstition as much as we can, focus on what's efficacious. So Zhao's team says, these face masks, no question they don't work. And they may not they may not be just neutral, and this is part of why so many people what so many people will say when you talk to them, you know why are you wearing a mask? Well, it can't hurt right Zhao says it can hurt, and Zhao cites World Health Organization guidance from two thousand and nine saying, "Now Dan, I want you to tell me if you've ever seen anyone follow this guidance that would be required for a mask to simply be neutral and not hurt and I, this 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 guidance is so important that I I actually stick it on the cover of the book um, describing describing uh, the the various things that need to be done mm-hmm. oh there's fit testing on there good I forgot there was on there okay <laughs> for a mask to be neutral at least you should never touch your nose or your mouth while wearing the mask um, you Your hands should be sterile when you're putting the mask on. The mask should be sterile. A single-use mask is single-use only. Uh, If the mask ever gets moist, it should be removed and uh, replaced with another. Once the mask has been removed, uh, it should be disposed of properly, not left around in the environment. So this is not even – it's not even pretending anything about what happens if you hang the mask from your rearview mirror. What happens if you shove the mask in your pocket? What all these things you see people do? What happens if you don't wash the mask for six months? Right? None of this doesn't even pretend that this is this is going to be efficacious. But there's nonetheless this moralism put on top of it that if you don't do this, you want grandma to die, and you're you're selfish, and you don't care about anyone else. And this is just nonsense. So the media, the media. Thank you for being part of the media. Providing a different voice, Dan. Thank you so much for that. Uh, what the media tends to do, this would be very natural. It, it's There's two types of studies that they look at that, that that exist out there on the topic. And the media tends to uh, present them as, as uh, antagonistic to each other. When in reality, one is theoretical and the other is what happens in practice. Just like every other field. So you have these uh, uh, mechanistic studies that... Everyone's seen. We can open up the newspaper right now. We'll probably see six mechanistic studies mentioned. And that's uh, this this particle size, this pore size, this fabric, uh, this um, movement of air. Mm-hmm. This is a mechanistic study. And it's saying, in theory, these masks could work. And then when you take a, a controlled randomized trial with laboratory-confirmed results, And you're saying, okay, this group, six months, no mask. This group, six months with a mask. What happens at the end? How many people contracted respiratory viruses? Um, When you're doing that, it shows over and over again, these masks don't work. And you take these studies together and you're seeing, wow, there's really a trend. And these studies have existed for a long time. Mm -hmm. And- in, it, it didn't begin in 2020 that these questions about masks were asked. They've existed uh, longer than the vaccine studies, right? <laughs> oh, thank you for that. yeah, yeah. These, these, the, the media could be saying. The media could be saying, "Hey, mechanistic studies are theoretical. These controlled, randomized trials are are in practice. What's happening? And the theory doesn't meet the doesn't meet practice. Actually, right. no big deal. Instead, it's been so divisive and political." insane what's been going on this year instead of truth
2: yeah absolutely and that leads to my next question which is uh why 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 is this happening right now if if i mean we're being called science deniers if you even bring this up but the science has shown over and over again that uh, we are actually more correct than your local walmart you know 15 year old standing out there telling you to put a mask on um is there something more nefarious behind this like we talk about conspiracies and stuff. So feel free to get as weird as you want, but uh do you think that like there's any reason for them pushing this these mandates and these lockdowns and all these things when they've been proven not only ineffectual but detrimental?
0: Let me uh Nothing nothing happens in politics for one reason uh in my experience and or very few things. Sometimes one person or one group can have so much control that things happen for one reason, but but that's uncommon. Even people say about the 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 wars in Iraq that it's all about oil, yeah. um, and that's not. I don't think that's a, a fair uh, statement because there are just so many special interest groups that say, "Hey, this helps me out in that way," and "Hey, this I, I can be neutral about it. I won't fight against your your uh, war in Iraq." Right? Yeah. There's so many kind of things that come together and one, one aspect of the face mask, one aspect of the lockdowns, one aspect of the vaccines that, that shouldn't be called vaccines. What, uh, the COVID therapies, I guess I could call them. Um, we'll get the, there. Uh, <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> the, um, the ideas there, a lot of politicians don't like to look like they're not doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of dangerous to them and no one can look back at 2020 and say uh, politicians did nothing. Um, We'll we'll almost certainly for a long time be looking back once, once society clears its head, we'll almost certainly be looking back and saying, wow, that that level of intervention was really horrific for society. There's going to be people who just as economic intervention from the The Great Depression, that was so destructive to society um, continues to be just hallowed is, is the most wonderful thing ever for for a hundred years. there will be people saying those face masks were wonderful. I have no question about it and there will be this this core of truth tellers saying, "Wow, those face masks were so detru- destructive to society and I don't know who will win who will win that discussion ultimately and kind of have uh, status in the academy and in in among intellectuals and popularly but this is this is important that they want to look like they're doing something then there's a segment of bullies that we can call them bullies we can call them sociopaths psychopaths whatever and with a bully if you don't push back if you don't say if you don't if you don't identify your boundaries if you don't communicate your boundaries you don't defend your boundaries the bully's gonna keep pushing the bully's gonna say now it's time for two face masks three face masks 21 face masks now it's time to also wear your welder shield in front of you. Now it's time to put on a spacesuit. Now it's time to take your anal swab, yep. you sir. <laughs> so uh, this, this, uh, these are two, two kinds of elements. Um, without having to get too conspiratorial, this is human nature I'm seeing. And we can get super conspiratorial, but uh, this human nature must not be forgotten, That that politicians need to be told no, and bullies especially need to be told no. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And I would now I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but uh, your your book, the the little bit that I've read, I'm not much of a reader. I'll be honest, put out the audio version. I'm all about it. But uh, uh, the um, the book focuses mostly on how to just ex- I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems to me like you're kind of focusing more on, OK, we need to we're, we're accepting that this is the way things are. Now, how do we work within that Um a little bit more than it is saying we need to push against this. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, are you accepting the new normal and just, uh, being the rebel within that and finding your ways around the system?
0: No, no part of me. Zero. Um, I, I am, I am of course trying to figure out the system. Um, but, but at its root, it needs to be torn out this new normal. Um, If if I need to get past the compliance checkpoint, I figured out how to do it. Yeah. Um, but I do FOIA requests and I uh, harass harass elected officials, and I write articles and I encourage civil disobedience. Um, and civil disobedience that doesn't just isn't isn't just to make the individual feel good that they've done something, right. but that is attacking at the root of the problem and is likely to cause change. Um, no, this, this has to be rooted out. This, this new normal is sick. Um, and and whenever, whenever anyone puts these weasel words on top of uh, a term, we have to be careful. Um, you have a, a new normal is obviously something different than normal. Um, right. The person wants you to feel comfortable with the word normal. Uh, neo-conservative, is obviously something different than conservative the person wants you to feel comfortable with the word conservative and then lie to you and sell you something that's the very opposite of small government by by putting big wars in your face and calling it this thing that that one may love small government yeah absolutely
2: so for the the common person this might be a little bit overwhelming with uh you know calling ahead asking their policies or looking into their policies and finding out uh, are you suggesting that people do this like anytime they go to the gas station, the grocery store, anywhere or or not?
0: So I know your your audience is not the common person that's one thing um, and there's never There's always been this group in society uh that that does things that sabotage themselves uh, that, that believe the craziest ideas, um, and, uh, it, they've always existed. Um, and, and today we, we might call them liberals. We might call them progressives. Um, and at this moment of such supreme brainwashing, they're, they're a little bit amped up and, uh, having a hard time individually getting by with things. And I, I have great empathy for, for what's going on in that situation. Um, so the there's also been in all time uh this kind of remnant in society um that is who can be turned to to be kind of a a backstop a backbone um who can be turned to eventually to rebuild things in a better in a better way um and you can't blame the liberal you can't you can't blame the progressive you can't say ah look what they're doing mm-hmm. You gotta turn the mirror on yourself. You gotta say, Am I holding the line in my own life? And I'm not asking anyone. I'm not asking anyone. I'm not saying, hey, let's storm Omaha Beach. It's gonna protect your freedoms. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying let's stick you in in a fetid French trench for Christmas. And I'm gonna write, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you over and over again how that's fitting and proper to die for your country. I'm not gonna say that to you. I, I'm saying right now. The way to protect your freedom, and you don't need everyone else to participate. The way to protect your freedom individually is to stop wearing this mask, to stop complying. If you can do that, if you can figure out how to stop wearing that mask, you can figure out how to say no to this stupid vaccine, this ineffective, untested, uh, being tested on the population vaccine. You can say no. figure out how to say no to many more things. So if you can't say no to the vaccine, if you can't say no to the face mask, you're going to take the vaccine. If you can't say no to the face mask, you're going to be helping, or you're going to be silent at least, which is help. You're going to be be silent as the next group of Jews are deported. Mm-hmm. You're going to put up with the most horrific things. The only possibility to that not happening is if you believe society will just automatically come to its senses without that backstop stepping up and putting an end to it. So, Dan, what you ask, what you ask, do I, do I want the average person to do this? I'd like the average person to do it, but... It doesn't need to be the average person. People like your audience, though, are who very much I need to be doing this. And again, I'm not saying let's storm Omaha Beach to protect your freedom. But if you can make a three-minute phone call and if you can get up the guts to have that conversation to push back a little, you're not only going to feel more free. You're not only going to get the white glove service that is better than I've been treated ever in a grocery store ever in my life. This year, when I, when I call and I say, hey, I can't wear a face mask safely, I get treated so well. Oh, well, we want to get the line. Go to the front of the line. We're going to announce to the, the staff that you're coming through, uh, and, and we're going to tell them if, status. You, <laughs> if you announce the VIP status to the world, you get your VIP status. I've taken politicians uh, through all kinds of exclusive doors, and it's amazing how easily the doors open for the politicians just by – just by someone making a phone call and saying, hey, this is what I, what what, what this, this person coming through needs. And it doesn't just have to be a famous person or politician. It doesn't have to be a celebrity. It's, disabled people have known this for forever. They know that they can't presume someone else has walked a day in their shoes and knows what kind of accommodation they need. All they have to do, disabled people have known this for a long time, all they have to do is to say, hey, I need this I don't want to tell you exactly why I need it. That's my personal business, whatever problems I have in life. But I need you to do this for me. They don't have to cite the ADA usually. They don't have to talk about HIPAA usually. They say, I need this. I got a condition that stops me from doing this and that. What can you do for me?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's all these things written into law that make that easier. Or maybe they make it harder, depending on the perspective you take on it. But all I need your audience to do. Is to commit to not wearing that mask again, and they can very easily do it by picking up that phone, saying, "Do you want to have? Do you want to have a sample phone call, Dan? A sample sure. back and forth? Absolutely. Will you play the role of the manager?
2: I will. Hello, antinewslive dot How can I help you?
0: Hey, uh, my name's Alan. Uh, I was thinking about coming by today. Hi, Alan. I, uh, thanks I for calling. Always... Hey, thanks. Thank <laughs> Um, I see you guys have a a face mask order, um, and that poses a problem for me because I'm unable to wear a face mask safely. Um, what, what can you do for me? Fuck your safety, Alan. Oh man, that sounds like you're getting upset about that. (laughs) Um, do you guys have an exemption in your policy for, for someone who's unable to wear their face mask properly? I don't know.
2: I, I just started. I'm just not okay. a very jovial person. Uh, let me get the manager. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Hi. I'm a more
0: reasonable person. Hi not there. That guy's fired. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, my, uh, my name's Alan. What's your name? My name's Dan. Hey, Dan. Um, I uh, noticed you guys have a face mask policy, uh, and I'm unable to wear a face mask safely. I was thinking about coming by at 2 p.m. Uh, what can you do for me?
2: I can sneak you in the back and give you some scraps, send you on your way.
0: Okay. Um,
2: I have that, never worked retail uh, in a manager position, so I might not be playing this role right. Sorry.
0: No, do that. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't work for me very well. Um, what else could you do for me?
2: I can get the red carpet and just roll it out for you, bring you on in uh, after hours tonight.
0: After hours. Okay. And this, this might be a time where, um, you know, someone in your audience, if that fits what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, that might be a perfect time for them to say, okay, that's perfect. Yep. What time? Right? If that's what you want, if that works for you, if it doesn't work for you, keep coming. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that doesn't work for me. I, I uh, have a tight schedule and I just want to be able to come in just like any other customer is able to. Right. What else could you do for me?
2: Yeah, I see what you're saying and I, I like it. I I while I agree with you 100%, it's just I have concern about anybody implementing such things because I know like and you know as as a tech guy, uh just getting somebody to click on a link is near to impossible, uh, let alone making a phone call and being nice about it. <laughs> but um did you have more hope obviously. You're the Oh, one. I
0: have I know thousands of people have used this technique um, so I, I without question I know it works um, and uh, you know I, I don't need to convince anyone who believes in this face mask um, but for those who who recognize the silliness of what's going on and control you know I don't I don't need to pitch sometimes conspiracy theories are dangerous when they prevent individual uh, Action and sometimes uh, focusing on political action can be dangerous when they prevent individual action. Yeah. They can they can really kind of undermine the the value of individual ability. Um, and this something that I think is good good about this approach is that this very moment, uh, one of your listeners can can say to himself, "I'm never wearing that face mask again." and can be at a grocery store five minutes from now uh implementing this for the first time ever in his life um and it doesn't that might not change how anyone else does anything um that manager is still going to follow his policy probably uh a lot of the people at the store are gonna gonna keep wearing their masks a few people might say hey that guy's not wearing a mask how do i figure out how to not wear a mask that could happen those ripples could be nice but the more important thing is that he's kind of building his muscle and figuring out how to have these conversations. Um, and this is, we've, libertarians might be more guilty of this than most people, unfortunately. Um, that there's, there's a tendency in modern society where we're kind of encourage in modern society to look at other people, uh, especially service providers, as transactions um you know the, the the grocery store clerk does a service for me there's a transaction that's it the mechanic the plumber um, the person on the phone these are these are transactions um, sometimes we even look at them as commodities um, and you know we we treat we make the mistake of treating them as as interchangeable and saying saying uh, this 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 human here should be functioning just like an ATM machine uh, I do this Input, I should get the expected output, or they should be functioning just like a gumball machine. I do this input, I get the expected output. But humans don't work that way. Humans have have foibles and, and negatives and beautiful positives. And if, if we can just kind of get away from that transaction thinking and remind ourselves, hey, I can go up to this human anytime I want, and this person's actually a service provider, there's a pretty good chance that if I tell them what I want out of an exchange – that they're going to try to figure out how to give it to me. Right. If, if we can just have that human to human conversation, it, it goes so far and it opens up so many more doors.
2: Absolutely. And yeah, focusing on the I guess focusing on like what the future looks like if we all just comply is is important to me. Like we're like we said at the beginning, like we're not just talking about oh I don't I It's a little bit uncomfortable when I wear a mask like uh, we're talking about the entire society and dehumanizing our entire population, in my opinion. But uh, that uh, I mean, another of the, you know, main things that that leads to is this vaccine scare that we're in now. And you touched on that a little bit. Um, What can you tell me about this vaccine and how it's going compared to a normal vaccine or, you know, how we normally address these things?
0: yeah, we've, we've thrown a lot of rules out the window here. Um, thankfully there's not much of a push yet on continuing this vaccine experiment on children. Um, but, but Fauci did, did just come out one day ago saying that, uh, children are going to have to be vaccinated. Um, kind of pushing it, pushing in that direction. Um, in, in tech, in tech, um, a lot of product is, uh, is tested. Um, oh, geez, I can't in process it's tested in process. Um, it's tested in a real world environment, not in a sandbox. Um, sometimes you just end up having to do that. And, uh, that's, what's happening with this vaccine particularly. Um, only it's not being said that that's taking place. Um, it's, it's being called safe and effective. Um, no no pharmaceutical company is claiming uh, effectiveness in stopping the spread. That's that's just not pharma. Uh, uh, Pfizer. Neither Pfizer nor Moderna are making that claim. The FDA is not making that claim. Um, it, it's They're not even got pretending
2: a, like it's effective no. in stopping a spread. It seems like that should be, to me, that would be my first priority in this vaccine. But
0: what do I know? That, uh... That's traditionally what a vaccine does. There's the concept of herd immunity built into it. Um, Something I'm writing a piece on right now. uh, This is just the shadiest thing. Um, Merriam-Webster dictionary, um, January 18th. uh, If you find the archive.org entry for vaccine... Uh, speaks of what we traditionally know a vaccine to be, Um, some kind of uh, live or or attenuated uh, organism injected into a person to provide provide immunity. Mm -hmm. Um, And January 23rd, it presented a definition that allows for this COVID-19 therapy to be called a vaccine because it doesn't have, it doesn't legally follow the definition of what a vaccine is. Um, and because it doesn't legally follow the definition of what a vaccine is, it shouldn't be treated as such. Vaccines are given a tremendous amount of leeway in culture. Um, it's seen as kind of a, uh, having a defense aspect to it. Um, instead this, this COVID therapy should be treated the way any, any drug is treated, um, where it goes through extensive testing before it's allowed to see the population that would be in our system right now. I don't know if the FDA is the best system. Mm Uh, I'm, I'm very much a free market individual and I don't like regulation on this topic, unless it's the, the regulation of the marketplace. Um, I, I like the idea of consumers figuring things out and I like the idea of non-governmental entities, uh, helping consumers to figure things out. Mm -hmm. Example's Entities being, I can uh, run by Dell BigTree mm-hmm. uh, or or oh, wonderful man mm-hmm. or uh, Robert Kennedy's um, uh, Children's Health Defense. Uh, BigTree has said, if your uh, your employer demands a vaccine, contact us. We're gonna go. We're gonna go against them for you. Um, Kennedy has said, if your children's school demands a vaccine of them. Uh, let us know. We're going to go after them for you. Okay. So these fights are are really being waged so nicely. I'm so happy that that, that that's happening. Um, 2020 can be looked at as a blessing. It doesn't have to be looked at as this curse. We we have this opportunity right now to kind of to say, oh, my doctor makes me wear a mask. This might not be the right doctor for you if your doctor makes you wear a mask because he's going to be very comfortable doing all kinds of other things that are not that are a one size fits all approach. Right. Uh, I- instead of The thing that you need, patient and doctor against the world. Um, 2020 is an opportunity to kind of build that muscle and to say, hey, good, good, good excuse to go look for another doctor. It's a good time to build the ability to say no, saying, hey, I don't want this face mask and I'm going to build the muscle to say, I don't want that vaccine. I don't want to be pushed around because uh, you call me a white supremacist because I believe in the free market, right? These, These opportunities that are emerging and sometimes it's not the oppressor's fault that you are so oppressible. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes you just have to be ready to stand up for yourself and to say, you know what? They might call me bad names on Facebook. I might get deplatformed. A, a, a friend of mine may not talk to me. So what? This is, uh, there's this wonderful writer, Stephen Baskerville, in, in a book that is not yet published. He says, He who is afraid to anger or offend is not yet a man. Yeah. I didn't have to say that to Ludwig von Mises <laughs> when, when he went through, when he ran from the Nazis in Austria, when he ran from the Nazis in Switzerland because he was so offensive to them, when he came to the United States and got treated like garbage by the mainstream in so many ways, did that, did that silence him? As he was a, an elderly man rebuilding his life, barely able to speak English, um, did that silence him? Did he start to kowtow? No. He, he doubled down, and he continued to quote Virgil, and he said, do not give in to evil, but proceed ever more boldly against it. I didn't have to tell Mises that he who is afraid to anger or offend is not yet a man. He didn't have to be told that. I need to be told that, honestly. Maybe some of your listeners need to be told that. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I don't know them personally. They but do. This is not. This is not a moment to be timid. There's no reason to be timid. Who cares if they say bad things? Who cares if Karen gets in your face and says, "Why aren't you wearing a face mask?" Right. You know what? Who cares if you get fired?
2: Right. Yeah, we're 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 talking about like the comparison between a little bit of. Uh, they, they say oh you're just it's not that big a deal just wear the mask it's like okay well it's not that big a deal just make a phone call so you don't have to wear the mask like either way if it's not that big a deal to you then do the one that's most freeing to you obviously and this isn't like um like, like you said it's, it's we're not asking for you to go to war here like for all the keyboard warriors who love to virtue signal and feel like they're accomplishing something by typing mean tweets or whatever uh it's like if you believe uh w- you know, the evidence that's been laid out here, then just take that one step further and apply a little bit of action, uh, actual, you know, human action in your life to, you know, be an example. Like, it's not just about you, even. Like, be an example for uh, the people around you who are also uncomfortable and who are also suffering uh, worse uh, outcomes from having to wear a mask than you are.
0: There's this tendency among uh, heterodox thinkers. Uh, among contrarians, among libertarians, among anarchists, among uh you know small government conservatives might have these same tendencies uh, and it 's the idea and any kind of kind of individualist person tends to be comfortable saying i 'm on my own and that 's okay and you have to learn that at a young age to be comfortable with that in your own skin you know and it's it 's good it 's good and it 's also good to be able to say, "Hey." I can also lead. I can also model good behavior. I can also, because, you know, these books, I got Mises and Rothbard and and biographies of weirdos back there, some good, some bad. All this reading that some people do, all the podcasts, all the listening, all the, the empowerment, you don't have to just keep it for yourself. Sometimes society needs someone who's been, studying and improving themselves last 15 or 20 years to step up and to be ready to lead. And sometimes that could just be modeling good behavior. What happens, what happens when we just say, when we just say, ah, those are the sheep. That's nothing you can do about that. If you say that, what you're probably saying, you know, there are sheep out there. There are sheep who will follow any good leader. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But what you're also saying at the same time is, I'm refusing to be the leader of those sheep. Right. I'm refusing to give them the, the, the soulful, nurturing ideas that are good for me, good for them. And instead, when you abrogate that role, and society has always needed good people to step up and be leaders. This is, we barely have a history that doesn't tell this story. When you abrogate that role, nature abhors a vacuum. Someone steps into that role. And you have no business complaining about a Cuomo, a Pritzker, a Whitmer, a Newsom. If you're not ready to be the person who will lead those people who they wake up and and they generally just want to be led by someone, they want to be helped through the day. They don't want to reinvent the wheel every single day the the way some of us might really love reinventing the wheel, right? And and it, it might be the most inefficient thing that we do to reinvent the wheel all the time. But just because they like to follow someone else doesn't mean that they're bad. And, and the word sheep is even a little dangerous because it can be a way that you convince yourself that they're less human mm-hmm. because they just want to follow someone. This is a, 2020 is an example of libertarians not leading enough. Mm-hmm. And 2021 can be this opportunity to lead.
2: Absolutely. It's a prime time uh, for a libertarian to actually step in and make some noise on this topic in particular. Um, And we're, we're pushing about an hour. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts and are you still good to jump over to bonus after this? You good for that? Sure. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Go ahead and give your final thoughts to the lay person. I I personally struggle with the the sheep thing is another point that I wanted to make. I, I struggle with the, not just writing people off. I talk about it on the show all the time, like we need to be embracing people. We need to meet them where they're at and see the problems that they're dealing with and help address those. But at the same time, especially in like this mask thing where it's like, I live in a small town of 3,500. I walk into Walmart, every single person has a mask on. It's hard to not get into uh, you fucking cheap mentality, <laughs> but uh, we do what we can. What are your, your final thoughts on uh, on this? What would you leave the people with?
0: You know, there's a lot of scared people out there, um, and they're looking for someone in their immediate environment to show a little bit of courage. Um, and you can be that person showing that courage and it might not be the easiest thing. Um, but there's people watching you. There's children watching you. If you have children, this is, there was a time where, where, uh, people did the right thing for their children. And, uh. We somehow live in a moment right now where people use their children as an excuse. They say, "They say I will not do the right thing because I have children." This is a, a total anomaly. Um, I wrote face masks in one lesson uh, for for people who want to figure out how to get by the compliance checkpoint to do it reliably every time. And it's about face masks, but it is about this interview. This is the nature of face masks in one lesson. It's the the, the face mask is a symbol. The face mask is an opportunity. The face mask is a stepping stone. Face mask in one lesson is about being a a, a more courageous person. Um, and and anyone anyone living in twenty twenty can gain a lot of value out of face mask in one lesson. Anyone living in twenty twenty one can can gain a lot of encouragement from it. Um, the book the book costs about twenty dollars. Um, Everything's nicely organized in there. it's got cool footnotes and index and it's easy to read. Um, it's got the lesson so you can do it quickly. it's got the rest that you can kind of go through um, So you got that. but you could also go to my you, you can go to my writings on Luwrockwell.com and kind of click through them and, and say, you know piecemeal what what feels like it works? That'll take you more time. you're gonna get a lot of stuff from there too. It's not the exact same content. But there's a lot of a lot of similarities you'll find there. Um, but most of all, most of all, I just want you to vow. I'd like you to vow today. I'd like you to vow right now to never wear a face mask again. Because you deserve better, man. Yeah.
2: I... Uh... I, I would love to. I, I take my vows seriously is the only reason why I can't flippantly say yes. But uh, I do work in some certain sit- situations with like foster care children where I don't really have that much of a ability to say no in those situations. But as far as the going to the store and stuff like that, I'm already ignoring it 90 percent of the time. So,
0: <laughs> And Dan, that wasn't meant to put you on the spot. Sure. That was uh, meant to be a, a request to the listener. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not as much as to put you on the spot. I intend to do that right now. Uh, everyone's got their own. Situation. Um, and, and this is such, only, you know, only, you know, if you're, if you're pushing that boundary, every chance you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, I very strongly encourage everyone out there to push that boundary as much as they can, because there will be, and I want them, this is something selfish, it's nice to be good to the world. It's cool to be good to the world. There's this guy, Martin Niemoller, he wrote this, I don't know how to say his name properly in German. He wrote this First they Came for the Socialists uh poem. He went all over after World War II, kind of apologizing, reading that poem. But what what we can get out of this poem is that that forming boundaries around other people and saying, I'm gonna stick up for that dude right now, makes it easier for you to protect yourself one day to keep the boundaries far away from you. Um, This, uh, this Nemo buffer around yourself, it can be selfish. You can do the right thing out of selfishness and it can still be okay. (laughs) Amen. Well,
2: Alan, it's been an absolute blast. I love everything you're talking about, man. I really applaud you for it and the work that you're doing. Uh, Tell everybody where they can find your book again and your writings and everything that you got going on, man.
0: Yeah. I, uh, Wrote Face masks in One Lesson, came out in November, uh, became an Amazon bestseller for its category in the first week, I'm very happy to say. Um, you can find that on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, basically anywhere in print and in, in um, uh, digital format. Anywhere you, you buy books, you're going to find it. Uh, there's some audio versions out there as well. Um, Face masks in One Lesson. Then I have uh, realstevo.com. You can sign up there for... for uh, kind of a free sample of face masks in one lesson. And, uh, then I write, I write many, many places. Um, Ra- Rockwell dot com is my favorite place to be writing on this topic right now. Awesome,
2: Alan, thanks so much for being here, man. Uh, to the listeners. If you're not in the downers club, go join it down now at patreon.com forward slash. The system is down where you'll get the extended bonus. I think we'll talk about some blockchain, some crypto, some GameStop stocks and stuff like that. But, uh, check that out at patreon.com forward slash i forgot the name of my own show the system is down check it out there um until next time peace out and uh, we'll talk to you then hey guys thanks for watching be sure to like and subscribe on your way out and help us
1: change the world one uncomfortable conversation at a time and if you like what you hear and you want to hear more Go join the Downers Club at patreon.com forward slash The Down for bonus episodes of the show every single week. Until next time, please continue to question everything, stand comfortable, and I'll talk to you then. Thanks. This has been a Goulash
0: Media production. Goulashmedia.net
1: This concludes our broadcast day. Click.